With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights. With your host, Steve Politi, and Rutgers Insiders, Keith Sargent and James Cratch. Let's start shopping. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Rant. Steve Politi here, joined by Keith Sarge and James Cratch, as always. And we're going to recap the Scarlet White game. And I got to tell you guys, I, I was watching Greg Schiano during that game. He seemed like he was having the best night of his life, right? He, he looked as relaxed <laughs> as I've ever seen him in that stadium. He had the best offensive lineman in New Jersey who had just committed to his program. We'll have a lot more on that later in the show. Then he watched this entertaining and mostly well-played scrimmage. The perfect night until, until Sarge gets on the post-game, post-game teleconference and asks him about going to a bowl game. And all of a sudden, you can just tell, like, his, his back got tense. He looked like, you know, he just, like, come on, Sarge. He's, he's got, he had this look on his face. That's a, that's, a good, that's a good question, he said, when he, you know, he did not mean it was a good question. That was awesome. Yes, that's his go-to if, it, whenever he doesn't want to. And it, it, not unlike a lot of coaches, when he does not want to answer a question. Oh, that's a good question, Politi. That's a good question, Cratch. <laughs> you just dropped that. You just dropped that turd right in the middle of his beautiful night. He's like, bowl game? Come on, Sarge. <laughs> and then he didn't answer it. It was a good question. I would think it wasn't a good question. I'm just saying you ruined the man's night. I probably phrased it wrong. I probably should have said, Greg, if I'm booking uh, for late December, uh, should I be booking for Detroit? Should I be booking for, um, you know, uh, somewhere Pasadena? down in Florida or Pasadena? <laughs> you know, Pasadena, you know, maybe say December 27th through you know january 1st uh overall it was it was a fun uh, it was a fun night good to be out of the house for starters i know it wasn't the full attendance that you would have expected but it seemed like you know a glimpse back to normalcy cratch and maybe more than that the, the team looked pretty good they did. They they looked deeper, stronger, uh, you know, more put together. They they moved quicker, faster, more confidently. They definitely looked like a much improved football team. I just think the big question is going to be, getting back to what Sarge asked, does much improved mean more wins, specifically three more wins to get to that magic six win total and go to a bowl game? And when you look at the schedule, it's a normal season now. The element of surprise is kind of gone. You, you're adding Northwestern and Wisconsin to the slate. I still think it's going to be a hard road to get the six wins, but not out of the question because that looks like a much better football team on Thursday night. All right, the thing we went into the game looking, wanted to look at was, of course, the quarterback situation, Noah Vedral issue or starter. Beyond that, although I wrote the column saying, finally, there's not a quarterback controversy. And like the first six tweets were free Cole Snyder, of course, because Rutgers fans always love the guy behind the guy. Um, what, what were your takeaways? Now, yeah, you have some days to digest it. I think we all agreed in the press box that Cole Snyder looked like uh, the more promising of the two, him and Evan Snyder of the two likely backups. Uh, that said, you know, I mean, I did think Simon throws a really good ball. You can see that that thing's got some pop coming out of his hand. Uh, Sarge, what, I mean, overall, which one, what, what were your takeaways from that, from that backup quarterback uh, competition? 
it definitely Cole Snyder um, impressed me a little bit more than Evan, Evan Simon. I go back to, um, I think, uh, the, his first uh, camp that he was here. Uh, Cole Snyder was this, uh, you know, unheralded recruit um, who, who uh, you know, no one expected to, to play at all during his, his true freshman year, obviously. But, like, I just remember when we, when we actually did, were allowed, to watch practice remember that crash remember those days i, I yes. remember <laughs> i remember almost without fail every single practice uh cole snyder would be like the last one off the field i know it sounds like a cliche but um it, it, I, I remember going back to a, a boxer right afterward and like maybe an hour after uh football practice ended cole snyder was still out there you know throwing balls into the net so the kid clearly has worked for it um, you know, I, I, uh, we've talked about this before, but once they get on campus, the recruiting rankings go out the window is, you know, who works for it. And I think Cole Snyder is a kid who, who just based on, on, on my own eyes and watching it from, from a couple of years back, I'm assuming, you know, that it was a case all throughout spring camp. I think Cole Snyder really worked for it. You had, you had a great observation, Cratch, about, about timing the throws too. I mean, that, that's an important thing. Yeah. I was going to say they, I, you know, I, did the snap to snap, you know, stopwatch uh, off iPhone off TV, which is not exactly, you know, perfect science, but the offense of, of the three scoring drives that, you know, Vedral, Snyder, and Simon led to start the game. Simon had the offense moving the quickest, you know, the shortest amount of time, but from snap to snap, I thought, you know, he's a guy who remember too, 2019, the spring game, where he was a true freshman, I believe he had a, big throw downfield too and kind of impress people. He's a guy who, when he's gotten a chance to perform, has flashed, has shown something. Sartre is a really hard worker. I just thought Simon had some really good moments on Thursday, but he also had some bad throws. He threw a ball into the dirt. He missed a guy wide open down the field behind him. So I think that Cole Snyder definitely looked the part. My biggest takeaway from watching the quarterbacks was – Johnny Langan, you know, I, I, I think there's a reason why Shiano has several times now talked about how, the need for him to improve as a passer. I did not see that on Thursday night. I think Johnny Langan is who he is. He can do a lot of good things. I think being the, a Big Ten caliber precision passer like they want is not one of them. I'm starting to wonder if that means that his package kind of stays where it was or they have to pull back a bit because they're not getting the downfield passing that they want from him. It, there was one moment in that game when, when Johnny was rolling out and it, you, you could just tell him, I mean, he's open, he's open, throw it, throw it, throw it, you know, and he just didn't either didn't see it or wasn't comfortable making the throw with, into a tight window. Uh, that's going to be a, that's a big thing to watch because I still think, and I don't know if you disagree, Sarge, I just still think if Noah Vezel gets hurt, A, it's a really bad thing for this, for the team and B, yeah. it's going to be yeah. Johnny. Johnny's going to be the guy. Yeah. Well, at least, Johnny at least will be right away. If, if it happens term. in yeah. game. Yeah, exactly. Right. There, there's clearly a trust thing. And, and if, if you didn't believe that it was, you know, in, in, in the uh, season finale against Nebraska, when they needed, when they felt like they had a chance to win the game, they brought in uh, Langan. It was Langan who, 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 um, they, they trusted you know, in that spot. The other thing to keep in mind, and we've written this before, Sean Gleason, you know, his, his, you know, based on history, going all the way back to Princeton, is a guy who, who clearly is not afraid to play multiple quarterbacks, not only during the course of a, of a season, but in the course of a game. You know, he's a guy who's played three uh, quarterbacks in the course of a game. 
Um, you know, he clearly, uh, you know, did it, did it last season, you know, whether it was Sikowski and, and, and Dedrill or, you know, all, all three of them at times. So, um, you know, if, if there's, you know, if, if there's, you know, if the competition's close, I'm saying that, you know, I think we all uh, believe that uh, Vedrill's going to be the starter, but I wouldn't put him past him to have, you know, not only a package for Langan, but maybe a package for Cole Snyder if, if he continues to develop. You know, Sean Gleason's a guy who is not afraid to play multiple quarterbacks. All right. Other notable positions. Uh, <clears throat> the running game looked great no matter who was carrying the ball crash. I, I, and I, I came away. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I mean, is that a sign that maybe the defensive, uh, the run defense that was a problem last year is still a problem? What do you think? You know, I think you have, I mean, look, it's, it's a spring game. They're not running, you know, exotic stunts or fronts or everything, but yeah, I think you have to be concerned about that run defense because, you know, look, Rutgers has some good running backs. I know they're very high in that group, Pacheco, obviously I thought Jameer Wright Collins. I know it's cliche to compare him to Brandon Jacobs, but I'm going to do it because that's what I was thinking when I'm watching him run. You know, I thought Aaron Young getting a lot of work was interesting to me, but just because Aaron Young's a guy who's so versatile, he, check so many boxes that fit Sean Gleason's offense. But last year, it just felt like they never found the right rhythm or role or t- amount of touches for him. So I'm intrigued to see, you know, obviously Pacheco is going to have more than one carry when the game is, you know, for real. I'm intrigued to see if they can continually get Aaron Young that work. Kyle Monaghan looks well. But no, I think the run defense is a major concern. It was, it was an issue last season, as you mentioned. I mean, it cost them the Illinois game and it cost them the Michigan game. And I think now that, you know, they really have to tamp that down going forward as they're going to go into this big 10 slate, a true big 10 slate where everyone's going to be prepared. Everyone's going to be on even footing. It was hard to get a read. I know again, if spring game offensive line uh, looked okay. I mean, with a bunch of guys moving around, some guys not in there secondary, uh, some switches in, in, you know, in that position group. Um, what other takeaways did you have? I. Uh, yeah, beyond uh, beyond that, just the playmakers. I mean, Isaiah Washington, you know, pulls an Odell Beckham, um, you know, with, with the one-handed grab down the sideline. Uh, you know, he was a guy who two years ago, you know, I I, I thought you know he you you know he's going to be a future star. That kind of regressed a year ago. Um, I I think he's going to be you know a guy that uh, you you know if he continues to develop like that, he's going to be a, a serious playmaker. Um, you know, be, uh, beyond that, again, the running game I thought was was, was really. Um, um, I, I I don't know if I go uh, that far with 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 uh, Wright Collins as, as far as the Brandon Jacobs, but I do know Graciano, based on his history his, during his first tenure, does like uh, bulky backs. I mean, Jordan Brooks was was a guy back in early in his tenure that he gave a lot of uh, you know uh, ca- uh, carries to. You know, even go- going back to his old Penn State days, Graciano has always liked having a, a big meaty uh, running back to. To, to give the ball to tight ends. I thought very, yep. great, you know, very impressed by the tight ends. I thought Haskins looked like he was, a, you know, could make plays down the field, which is what they need. I thought Tajay Moore flashed. Uh, Victor Kanopka looked the part of what exactly what they need. Uh, you know, a, a balanced tight end who, who can put, stick his nose into it and block and also make plays downfield. So I thought that was a position group. I, I've said it a thousand times on this podcast. I thought it was the weakest, one of the weaker position groups on the roster. I thought they needed to go get a transfer out of the portal. They didn't, but Hey, I think there's some cautious optimism that it's going to pay off and their young guys are ready to take a big step forward. 
All right. I think we all can agree, though, the biggest development from that from the day was was the commitment from from Jacob Allen, the best offensive lineman in the state, the best player in the state. I think most recruiting rankings have him there. Uh, this recruiting class is for 2022. It's incredible. Now it's number seven overall in the 24-7 rankings, which is a slot behind Oklahoma and Penn State and a slot ahead of Texas A&M and Texas. I mean, I, I, I don't know what could happen where this would not be the best recruiting class in Rutgers history based on rankings, unless it completely falls apart and Greg Shano's not going to let it completely fall apart. I mean, Cratch, give me this, give me a little bit about who this guy is and what the significance of getting him now is. So I thought the significance was actually revealed. The last question of uh, Greg's zoom call with us after the game, I think Bobby Darren at uh, Scarlet nation asked it. He was asked about the offense, the current offensive line, and Greg said, "You know, hey, it's no secret that was the biggest deficiency when we got here," and that really opened my eyes. Because one, I believe we asked Greg, like, "Where's where do you need the most help?" And he kind of, you know, demurred, wouldn't answer it. You know, oh, we need we got we need help everywhere, blah blah blah. But the fact that he said that to me was a sign that he's confident that that was the biggest issue and now they've fixed it and they fixed it in a big way by landing a guy like Jacob Allen who checks all the boxes you know he, they are now a five offensive lineman in this 2022 class so when Gavin Wimsett gets to campus he's already got a full line in front of him and I think the statement of not only getting a four-star offensive tackle which is huge but getting the top player in New Jersey something that I believe if I have the stat right, I think Rutgers only got two players in the top five in the state since they got Darius Hamilton, who was the last number one player in the state. So I think that's critical. And to go to the Hun school, you know, kind of, you know, they've never really had great success recruiting guys, getting guys out of Hun. I thought that was big as well. So no, this a tremendous kind of home run for them, get all the buzz to have it right before the spring game. But I think that's the big story is that they, put their focus at first in the defensive line, brought, you know, a lot of guys recruits in transfers, although some of those guys have since moved to the offensive line. Now they're really taking care of the offensive line and they've got two four stars coming in with Allen and then uh, the kid from Unity, Josiah Patterson and Peterson in 2023. So they're really making moves and that's where they like, they will not go where they want to go until they have both offensive and defensive lines of Big Ten caliber with two, three guys at each spot. Sarge, how the hell is he doing this? And, and I, I, you know, obviously when you were when making the case to hire Greg Shannon back, this was, you know, this was number one on, on the list that he, he, he's proven he could recruit there already uh, in his first time around, but he's recruiting at a, a higher level than he did his first time around already, you know, without the results really on the field to prove it. What, what, do you, what is, what's going on? Yeah, I go back to, um, and I talked to him about it, you know, early, you know, during the pandemic. And um, the, look, I mean, the pandemic has not been good for anyone. Okay, so they're, they're in no world, you know, if you would would you know if you would Jeff go Bezos in, made a hundred million, hundred billion. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Well, that's fair. That's some fair. people it might be good. But, yeah, okay. but if you go back to uh, you know March of twenty twenty and and you know and time machine and Graciano was given a choice of whether to 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 have this happen, I'm sure he would wouldn't, but. All that being said, I think he's taken advantage of it in, in, in a lot of ways because, A, he's very organized. And I think, you know, we've written count, countless stories on, on his CEO approach. He's very, very organized. B, 
Um, I think he's, you know, has a lot of charisma and, uh, you know, with these Zoom calls and staying on top of these guys. And, and you know, I think that boils down to, you know, what Graciano is good, good at is, is, you know, being, being, you know, personable and being likable. He has a staff that, that, that by all accounts, you know, you know, uh, is, is very likable, very approachable. I think he's taken advantage of it uh, with these virtual visits and showing off campus, you know, and I think they, they, they've done a good job with the videos of, of, of giving the recruits as much information as possible um i think you know greg Ciano, it's gonna be interesting to see you know what you know what happens uh when 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 uh recruits are actually able to get, get back to visiting campuses now Rutgers has improved their camp uh, their, their their facilities of course but they still have you know the bubble that you know that 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 is, is always going to be an issue until they actually fix it and until they can actually raise 150 million dollars for the, to build his dream palace so um, you know, at, at, you know, at some point, maybe, you know, you know, the other big 10, you know, counterparts, these, these kids with like these really, they, they can go anywhere. Maybe, you know, once they, they can go back to, to, to campus and, and visiting campus, maybe that, that becomes a, a, another uh, weakness until Rutgers can fix it. But for now, over the last year, I think Graciano has been able to take advantage of everything that, 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 you know, he's been able to. And this There's is also going to be a lot of folks at Rutgers who are like, look at this recruiting class. Do we really need this dream palace? Yeah, that's a great point. No, yeah. you, you, they, they, for Graciano to, 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 you know. Yes, for, I know. But like Crash said, for them to get to the next level, they're going to need to fix the bubble. The, the bubble is a big-time issue. Right. And when you see, I mean, there is a shock. And this is the first time I really had seen, you know, the, the new facility that they, uh, uh, the Rockin Center uh, in, in its, in its full glory. And it's just, I mean, again, this is the stuff that, uh, that recruits look at. I mean, you hate to say it, it's, it's superficial in a lot of ways, but, and they needed more space for all those programs. You know, you don't have to go, you don't have to be in the rack and the health center to see how overcrowded some of those offices were to know how necessary that was. So yeah, I think he, uh, if, uh, if, uh, Rutgers donors think they're getting off the hook for uh, that $100 million check uh, to build that thing, they are, uh, very much mistaken. All right, let's dive into true-false, guys. I only have a few ones here, but you know the rules. Uh, as always, I'll give you a topic and hit me back with what you think the answer is, and we'll discuss them all. True or false? The highlight of the Scarlet-White game was Isaiah Washington's one-handed catch. Crash, true or false? True. Sorry, it's true or false? True. True or false? The highlight of the Scarlet-White game was the salute to the healthcare professionals in the final play. <laughs> I trapped you. I trapped you there. <laughs> trapped Diabolical. You. Well, how you like that? Come, I, come on, that, and I, I don't say this. It's very I, um, nice. It was very nice, and I hate. I do not like those gimmicks. A lot of the times, I think they're just overdone. But it was almost it's like cool. you got to the end yeah. of the night. You got to the end of the night, and we had kind of forgotten. Like I had just allowed myself because you're at a game in the press box. You're talking about football. Everything seems normal. You know, you kind of forgot that how they got here, and it was a great little gesture to send to the people who were most involved in that. You know, the testing protocols, the stuff that we will be the high behind the scenes that we don't uh we're not even sure you know we don't we'll never know all the things that happen behind the scenes to keep this team on the field last year so i'm gonna go through there trapped you i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna be i'm gonna be mean and say false i was you know uh, that the isaiah washington catch was 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 even better and the kid and the guy the guy didn't even score <laughs> the, the, the doctor didn't even score so I thought you were gonna say exactly Come he on. was out of the one yard line <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So was it Danny, Danny from the the other podcast that uh, was was breaking down the like this the Bruda film like frame by frame to show he stepped out of bounds? Like, come on, can't do that. All right, uh, true or false? The player who surprised you the most in the Scarlet White game was running back Jameer Wright Collins. Cratch, true or false? False. Sorry, true or false? I'll say true. 
True or false, the player who surprised you the most in the Scarlet White game was defensive end Aaron Lewis. Cratch, true or false? False. Oh, boy. Okay. Sorry, true or false? False. False. All right. We'll have to come back to see who did surprise Cratch the most. True or false, if Noah Vedra goes down, the quarterback we're going to see the most is still Johnny Langan. Cratch, true or false? False. Sarge? False. All right. Come back to that. True or false? The lacrosse team got hosed. The refs clearly missed a couple of penalties in the final minutes against North Carolina. True or false, Cratch? False. Okay. True or false. I think, there's, I think there's literally a penalty like every on on exactly. every play on every yes. like every movement. Every the other, but you know. I, I, I'm going to say false. And I tweeted, I tweeted, someone asked me about it. I tweeted back, like, nothing's a foul, but everything's a felony. You know? I mean, I, I was the guy. And I thought he got knocked, he got literally knocked down at one point with the ball. I guess that's not illegal. I thought it might be illegal, but um, uh, can we start with, with, with lacrosse? I mean, you know, uh, overtime loss to the number one team in the country, uh, you know, a game they easily could have won. I think that's got to be, this is, this felt a lot like the Rutgers basketball loss to Houston, you know, maybe not without the same lead, but still that feeling that, you know, you had the couple of chances late in that game crash. And again, if I could fill a thimble with all I, with all I know about this sport, but uh, I, I clearly got the sense that there were just a couple of those times they had the ball possession where you, you know, they lost it, turned it over. Just a tough loss. No, a brutal crushing loss. Uh, no, I, I think, you know, look, when you're playing at that level, the, the, the margin of error is so small, so finite. It's definitely a major disappointment. You had a two goal lead, I think twice in the final, you know, in the fourth quarter, you know, you had them on the ropes, uh, I was a little like, you know, this is going to show you, like, I'm just, we're not lacrosse experts. Sudden death seems quite harsh. Yeah, it does, doesn't for, it? Uh, for, an, for an overtime, you know, like, and look, I'm the biggest, I am the biggest proponent in the world. I think the NFL, the biggest mistake the NFL ever made, besides putting a team in Jacksonville, <laughs> Florida, was to get away, do, go, do away with sudden death overtime. I thought it was perfect. You know, college overtime is horrible. This strange hybrid the NFL has is horrible. Just end the game in a tie or have sudden death. But anyway, no, I, I think, you know, I think what makes it even tougher potentially than the men's basketball loss to Houston is while we don't know for sure, we expect that next year Rutgers, you know, hoops, Gio's going to be back. Ron's going to be back. You're going to have Cliff back, you know, Mulcahy. This lacrosse team is a lot of veteran guys who came back for one more go round or a guy like Adam Cheryl and Beattie's like the fourth go last go round. I think he's a seven, seventh year senior. So this is a program where they're really, they're not partly breaking up. It pretty much everyone is going to go their separate ways now. And it's going to be a totally different program. And we saw it took a long time for Rutgers to get to this point. And now they're going to to start rebuilding so i think that also adds to kind of the, the gravitas the the emotions of of losing like that we did get a question from uh from the insider sarge about the uh the lacrosse yeah. recruiting why, why don't you take us through your thoughts on um the, <laughs> no the I, cross, I, I, the cross recruiting coming up here come on so you must obviously have a, obviously i have no feel on like you know whether or not you know where, where, where their class stands but i will say we talked about this before but you know the resources that that that, that they that you know that that uh, uh, some certain programs have at their disposal now with the Rodkin Center 
they have a new, you know, a practice facility and they have, a, you know, beautiful locker room con- um, and offices. I mean, you know, Brian Breck has, you know, not only has, you know, an, an NCAA t- uh, tournament and a win to fall back on to, 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 to point to, you know, he has great, you know, resources. He has a great facility. So there's no reason why uh, he shouldn't be able to uh, be able to, to recruit some, uh, some players and be able to, and like Cratch uh, pointed out last week, you know, it's New Jersey, you know, I, you know New Jersey, uh, lacrosse in New Jersey is, is big. So, I mean, he should be able to, to uh, recruit the, uh, the best uh, players in the state. You're a high academic, like an excellent academic institution in New Jersey that plays in the Big Ten, and you have state-of-the-art, top-of-the-line facilities and resources. This is a team that this should be the beginning of something, and five years, ten years from now, they should be contending for Big Ten titles and national titles. There's no reason not to. There, there are a lot of sports at Rutgers where it's always going to be hard to win at, or you're always going to struggle, you know, to recruit, and you really have to have the right coach and the right culture to do it. Baseball uh, and softball, or the, yeah, baseball, yeah. volleyball. Okay. Yep, oh, volleyball would, definitely. And I would even argue that baseball. Yeah, you're always going to lose uh, the top uh, players yes. at the Southern schools. You're just, you know. You are. But I would uh, say, you know, lacrosse, there's lacrosse and field hockey and, and soccer. There's absolutely no reason why Rutgers should not be contending for the conference and an NCAA tournament every year. The problem is, Crash, you're competing against two uh, New Jersey lacrosse powers in Princeton and Duke. Oh, see what I did there? Slipped that in there? Little Duke, little Duke joke? Sorry. All right. Um, God, not even, not even allowed. You're muted. I like sorry, it. Just, I am sorry, just laughing. I, I, I liked it. Right. I liked it. Yeah, it was, right. no, it's, it, it's, hey, legitimate, but, you know, it's, I tried. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's just one of those things, you know, there's, there's a lot of good lacrosse players in this state and they can't all go to Duke and Princeton. All right. So Cratch, who is your, who's the player who did surprise you the most in the, in the, in the game? Oh, Victor Kanopka. Yeah. Ah, yeah. He's a guy who, yeah. when he, go. when he got, when he signed with Rutgers, I thought to myself, is this a guy who got signed as a tight end defensive end? And, you know, a year from now, he's going to have put on 50 pounds and be an offensive tackle. And that hasn't happened with his size. He looked very fluid. He's a guy who's relatively new to football. He, he looked the part. I, he was the guy that really impressed me. I, I looked at him and I thought, hey, he might be able to be what I thought Travis Vokalek was going to become before he left. A year or two away, you think? Or is this, is this, is this kid going to play this year? I think he'll play this year. I think he's probably maybe the number two tight end. I mean, look, I, I just at this point, I would have him ahead of Matt Alimo. I think we, we've, we've seen what Matt Alimo you – know, is going to be he's a guy who's going to be on the field he can contribute but i think kanopka has the ability to be the best blocker of that group and if he can make plays downfield he's definitely your number two tight end and he's potentially a star down the road all right let's jump into the uh Rutgers insider questions as always thank you for subscribing nj.com uh backslash insider to get our up to the minute texts and also to participate in the conversation and set the agenda for the podcast uh all right the first one is another question a lot of questions about the backup quarterback situation uh in the race for backup QB is either a better fit for Gleason's offense as a dual threat runner uh, I think going into this game, we might have said no, Cratch, but I mean, I mean, watching the game, I think we might have an answer there. Yeah, I thought Cole Snyder really impressed with the way he moved around. You know, we, Simon ran well, too. I, I think I, I thought there was a lot of daylight between Snyder and Simon. Maybe I'm wrong. I think Simon was obviously the more heralded recruit. And I, I still think there's a possibility that we kind of saw this with Art that 
they have an internal opinion from practice and the film room and everything that is different from the little glimpses we see. But I thought Snyder definitely looked like the perfect guy to kind of run that offense. Um, not necessarily better than Bedrill at this point, but I was very impressed by everything he kind of, he checked all the boxes for me. Another, another quarterback question. It might be an obvious question, but is there any way a quarterback's arm strength can be improved? Now, sorry, this is interesting. I actually asked Noah Vedral during one of our, our availabilities about his arm strength. I'm just, I, was, I was just curious if it's something that he has had to work on during mm-hmm. his career. It's such a big – it's become an object, obviously, a, a topic of concern for Rutgers fans. I think we, we've seen some instances where it might be a concern. Uh, I mean, what, what, what was your takeaway from his answer – and do you think it is something at this stage of his career that can be improved? So I'm, I'd have to go back and look at every one of his interceptions, but I, I think where he struggled was, the, you know, for tight windows, not just, you know, I, tight windows, you know, he had trouble, you know, finding the zip and, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, the, you know, the, the, those would get picked off, but you know, the, the, the one play that is most vital to, to, to a quarterback, you know, at, at both the college and the pro level is that 15 yard out. Right. And, you know, he, you know, he's able to execute that, um, you know, beyond that, you know, the, the offense has to get more vertical, but, you know, he, you know, he, he's been, you know, I haven't seen anything where, where that was the reason why they didn't, they, they didn't. I think the reason why they didn't, they didn't go as vertical is because the offensive line, I think they were trying to mask a lot of the issues with the offensive line, uh, you know, with, with the way they, they, they ran the offense a, a year ago. So if they have better offensive line play, I think maybe they'll be able to open it up a little bit more. Um, and the one thing that the one takeaway just from talking to him is just how, you know, my uh, spring camp, the, the 15 practices in spring camp helped uh, a, a Noah Vedral really get a feel for uh, Sean Gleason's offense. I, I think by all accounts, everyone says that, that you know, uh, Noah Vedral, the, the son of a, you know, football coach, you know, is a football, you know, junkie, has a great football IQ. I think he really benefited from it. This was a kid who, who didn't arrive on campus until like two months before, you know, training camp. Um, and, you know, really only had about four weeks to prepare for the season with the, you know, with the playbook. So, you know, I think he really, uh, you know, t- took advantage of, of, you know, all the work this spring. And, you know, what I liked about it, and this is something we, uh, we haven't been able to see because we haven't been around the team, but he, he just carried himself like this is his football team. From the moment they walked out of the tunnel, you know, during the warmups, on the sidelines, coaching the other quarterbacks, his answer about the other quarterbacks, you know, clearly I'm trying to help them learn. You know, like this, you know what I'm talking about, Cratch? This, this is a confident kid. I mean, there's no, I'm kidding, he's a kid. It's a confident uh, adult, adult guy who's, who's convinced that this is his job and he, he's going to, you know, he's going to have a great year. No, no doubt. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head. He, you know, we've never actually been in the same room with him. Hopefully that will happen at some point. But he definitely kind of had this air about him, like, you know, this was this is his team. And it is. I mean, there is no doubt. You know, it was a 97% chance. Now the art's gone to Illinois. It's a 100% chance. You know, he is the guy. And I think Rutgers needs him to be the guy uh, because – that's their best chance that, you know, I think if you look at the ways their offense improves, you know, obviously it's more playmaker step up, offensive line steps up. A big way for it is that Vedral does more um, to produce for them. All right. Uh, here's a good one from Kay Fine, our friend out in Indiana. I'm wearing my scarlet colored glasses, but Thursday I saw a team with a solid shot at six wins in the bowl this year. Why am I right? Or am I, or am I wrong? Um, you know, we talked about this a little bit, guys. I, I kind of agree with them. And I, I don't know if they're going to get the six wins, 
but I think it would be important for them to be you know, in the conversation. Like if it, if we're in, in November and they've got five, which certainly I think is possible, uh, you know, then at least it, it's, a, it's, it's interesting. You know, the, the fans are engaged to see if they can pull it off. Um, uh, Politi, I'm just worried about exit interviews. Um, you know, yeah. you're, you're asking me right. about bowls, Politi. <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying to just focus on the about, next you, day. You want Allen Iverson on you. We're talking about bowl games, Sarge. <laughs> it's May 20. We're talking about bowl games. It was great. I love it. Yeah. Great. Good question, though. <laughs> <laughs> good question yeah good good question. great great question sarge but yeah, i gotta yeah. say this though like of course we're gonna ask that question I know, of course it makes it fun it just it just the, the reaction the, the look in his face was just priceless i loved it hey at least he didn't do what asked to. oh yeah we're gonna go to a bowl game whoops right yeah that yeah that's the opposite way of handling that uh so to do Kayvon's question you, have, you assume they get the three non-conference I mean, certainly, it seems they'll be favored in all three. Certainly, yes. They'll be favored in all three, but, I, you know, I was thinking about this. That game at Syracuse, it reminds me a lot of uh, the the Rutgers-Boston College game in 2019, where Dino Babers – I'm not saying he's going to get fired yeah. if they lose to Rutgers, but it's hard to see how Dino Babers loses to Rutgers and then like last for long term at Syracuse. Because yeah. I actually think that I know Syracuse. I don't know if his contract is a, like completely confirmed, but it sounds like I think after this season he's like where Ash was. He's got three years left, so you either got to fire him or extend him. So you know, going in the Carrier Dome, I. In January, February, I thought Rutgers was going to crush Syracuse. Now I'm thinking that's going to be a tough ball game for them. Uh, and a critical one is the same thing. Like, I can't see Rutgers going to a bowl game without beating Syracuse. Right. So then, all right, if they just, just for the sake of K Fine's argument here, they get all three, then you're kind of looking at getting what, three wins out of a five-game Big Ten, five out of five Big Ten games. We're going to assume Northwestern's down, losing the quarterback. You're going to assume Illinois and a new coach is, you know, up or, up or down. That was a, was a one-possession game last time they played them. They beat Michigan State last time. I mean, there are opportunities to, to win games on the schedule. You're not you're, – you're, you're throwing out the Ohio State game, Polity? Yeah, I get it. I'm going to throw out Ohio State, Indiana, and uh, I might, might even throw out Michigan in the big house, although I think they could have won that game last year so um i don't know but it, it's possible look i mean we're, we're talking i i i pick them to win six, uh go six and six and years where they actually go two and ten so you're 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 asking the wrong pete reporter as far as whether or not they they can go to a ball game but so, yes i mean they i i do think that they, they have uh a lot of i they have you know, their entire offense back. And, and, you know, again, you know, this was going to be something that, you know, Graciano was always, is always going to downplay. Cause I asked him at the very beginning of spring camp, what, you know, was, what's that is the significance of that. And he, as he said, he goes, well, you know, it's one thing that they're all back, but you know, whether or not, you know, that they were, they were still a six team with, with all those guys. So they need to all make improvements, but you know, experience is never a bad thing. And, you know, and when we saw that, you know, they, 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 they did seem to take a leap during spring camp. So yeah, why not? So two things I would say this one, I I'm already, I'll tip my hand a little bit. I think Michigan is going to potentially be the surprise team in the big 10 this year. So I think the idea that Rutgers is we, going we, to go we into- literally say that every year under, under Jim Harbaugh, that they're well, going to be, this is the year. Okay. That Michigan- but my point is this idea that Rutgers is just like going to stroll into the big house and beat Michigan. Of course, <laughs> last year, I don't think that's necessarily going to carry over. The way I look at it is you got your three non-conference games. 
you uh, Illinois, Michigan State, Maryland, coin toss games. If you get all three of them, you're going to a bowl game. I think Northwestern is the tough one. It's on the road, but they're down. I think they returned the fewest starters than anyone in the Big Ten. Ohio State, I think Michigan is just a tough matchup for them. Indiana, Ohio State, that, that's not happening. You know, the Penn State game could be big, but we saw there was still a big gap. And then Wisconsin, I, I eternally think that Wisconsin is more manageable than they look on paper just because of their style of play. Although if Graham Mertz really kind of takes off, they could be more of a threat offensively. All right, we got many, many, many months to break this down, so I'm sure we'll do it again soon and ha- answer the same question. Uh, here's a here's a numbers uh, basic question. E- eager to hear who we think might enter the transfer portal. Obviously, Paul Woods has already entered it. Cratch, um, is that it? Do we do any players have to enter it? I thought Isaiah Washington was a candidate. Now he had a big he had, he had to look really good. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I, I don't really think so. I, because I think if you look at the thing, you know, the offensive line, you've got guys who are who are going to play, and then you've got a lot of young guys. Sort of the same thing with the defensive line. You know, linebacker, you know, maybe, you know, there's a there's a lot of guys there. Maybe one or two guys shakes loose, but I don't, I don't necessarily know that. You, you've got depth issues in the secondary. You know, wide receiver, you're seeing some attrition there. You know, tight end, running back room, I think those guys all have a different roles. So, I, I'm sure we might see one or two more guys enter the portal, but I don't expect a mass exodus necessarily. We're, we're going to see some more guys, uh, but, but uh, I, it won't be defined as a mass exodus. I think it'll be guys like Paul Woods, who guys who were once uh, you know, promising recruits who, who you know, flashed you know, at times, but really didn't really have the production. We go back to Graciano's statement on, on the exit interviews. What are they talking about during the exit interviews? You know, I mean, there's 110 guys on the ro- 120 guys on the roster. So, um, you know, <laughs> he's going to have to make uh, decisions. We all know that the 2022, you know, goes from, you know, 100 scholarships back down to 85 probably. So he's going to need to, to make some, uh, you know, tough, you know, cap uh, uh, decisions. And, you know, that, 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 you know, one thing that you need to question fans on is, you know, even if you're going to see some, some you know, uh, you know, a high number of, of kids, this is going to be w- w- every school in the country. You know, I mean, there's going to be a lot of, you know, I, I wrote about it two months ago and what, we saw in basketball over the last couple of months, I think we're going to see in football. And I think we're going to see it probably in the next couple of months, you know, post spring uh, practice. I think you're, you're going to see, you know, a lot of guys trying to, you know, evaluate it and, and make, make a decision based on their future. Right. And this might not, and these players who leave now might are probably are not guys that Greg Shannon is going to, you know, no. said he's losing that that's no. the key thing to remember i don't think you know paul woods good i think that's one of those conversations is hey let's uh you know let's uh, let's go good good luck good luck to you paul i think that's probably what's happening uh we have some breaking news on the podcast crotch i just see i crotch you use the chat function here what, what what's going on yes so it looks like the uh officially the temple season opening game is being moved to thursday nice september i believe second no okay. time or broadcast yet, but I guess that frees up people for their, you know, their week, Memorial, yeah, Labor Day weekend, excuse me. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what, what happens. My guess is I think that, that could be a really early kickoff potentially. It was Ohio State, uh, Minnesota is, I believe, in prime time that night. So would they want counter-programming around the same time in New York in the Philly market? So I don't know if that could be like a 5 p.m. kickoff potentially, 5 or 6 p.m. 
Ah, exciting. Okay. I've changed right. my calendar. Now I've got plans for Thursday. Okay. Excellent. Good stuff. All right. A couple more questions and we'll, we'll sign off. Uh, so do we have another Tajra question if you're here, but do, do we have any sense of, you know, where Rutgers is now with this class or the, are there a couple of guys ready to pop crash? Are we going to get, are we going to get any more news recruiting wise or have we entered a, we entered a part time in the calendar where it could be quiet? I think it's relatively quiet. I think the big fish that's next up for them is, is a linebacker from New York city. Moses Walker. I think he's the guy they're targeting a couple other guys, but I think it'll be relatively quiet because, you know, for the first time in, a long time all these kids are gonna get to go to campuses go to camps and everything so i think that might be kind of a lull period all right um this is a good question i want to address and we could do an entire podcast on this but uh, uh one of the insiders asks how will the name image likeness <clears throat> work for rutgers uh rutgers is between philadelphia and new york shouldn't that be a boon for rutgers um so the, the question obviously would they pass the new rules about uh athletes being able to profit on their uh, nil rights Will that have an impact here? And I, I mean, it's sort of a fascinating thing. I, I don't, I don't think we believe that there are going to be, you know, scores of Rutgers athletes making buku bucks. But because of the New York market and where you know New Jersey market, Philadelphia in this area, is there a chance that a guy like Geo Baker or or Noah Vedral could could cash in? What do you guys think? I actually think that being in this market is going to hurt from an NIL standpoint. Here's why. Not not hurt, but it's it's here's the thing. If you are a star football player at Nebraska, you're the only show in town. So yeah, you're gonna get, you know, car dealership commercials. But you come here, I mean, even Geo Baker with his stature is not going to get a car dealership commercial over the Giants number two wide receiver. Just not. This is how it works. But I do think NIL is gonna is gonna be a big boost for a lot of the Olympic sport athletes at Rutgers. We've talked about this in the past. You know, Yamira Ali's, Gianna Glatz, you know, John Poznanski, Sebastian Rivera. They they can run camps with their name in the summer every day all across the state, and they can get kids in there and they can make money that way. Instagram, I think, is gonna be huge. You know, we've seen a lot like with. with gymnastic stars you know that's that's one of the thing i think people don't necessarily appreciate yet about nil is a kid doesn't have to be the best player on the team or best player in the country to have eighty thousand followers on tiktok and be doing you know native ads this is this is a great question sorry so let's pretend that we had we had some money in the bank and we could hire one rutgers athlete to come on this podcast every week Sure. Who who's your choice? Gun, Gun Ren, who's your choice? Who's who's the one that will make it worth our money to have on the podcast? Wow. I mean, Geo Baker is obviously the logical one. He's very, you know, well spoken. You know, he, you know, he doesn't, you know, he answers all the questions and you know, he's a name, but gotta go with the quarterback, right? I mean, you gotta go with no no uh, Noah Vedral. I mean, you know, Eli Manning, you know, Mike Francesa, you know, it, it, you know, isn't getting the uh, you know, the yeah, he's, he's a, going to get the quarterback. Like, he's a very you know, he, he's a very cautious interview though. I mean, do you think that's gonna hmm. he's cautious, I think. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I don't like crash said before we have never actually been in a room with the, with the kid. I, I, I have no idea what his personality is. I think he's actually pretty good on, you know, on these zoom calls, you know, as far as, you know, other Rutgers players, you know, who we've talked in the past year. Um, I, I gotta go with the quarterback. Noah, welcome. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I actually, got? I would say uh, Mike Tverdoff. 
I was gonna say Diverta. Damn it! Oh yeah. wow, yes. good one. Because is... for the reason, for the reason that he, he he'll tell some old stories. Yeah, good to old stories. Workers fans clearly love it when we tell. I mean, we'll get him going on Chris Ash. Get him going on like you know his brother's experiences. There's got to be some good stuff we can get out of him for a couple, for a couple episodes. Yeah. Diverta, call your agent. Have him, have your people call our people. <laughs> As if, yeah, could you imagine what we'd offer him? Like, okay, big negotiations here. Well, we get a gift card to uh, Chipotle. Is that enough? <laughs> All right, one final question, and it's a topic that's been going around the internet today. Uh, is, the, is it true the Seton Hall game is hanging by a thread? And if so, I mean, what the hell? Come on. Um, it's, uh, Jerry Carino had an excellent story, as he always does. He, he, he's been the one most on top of this debate, Cratch. Uh, you had a theory on how to fix it. Yes. I just wonder if, you, if we just, you know, we've got a situation where you just got two stubborn sides who, and they're going to kill this thing because. Uh, I think there's a very good chance you've got that, you know, because, you know, look, we've, I've said it. Seton Hall clearly ducked. Rutgers last year like Jerry wrote the idea that Seton Hall is going to argue force majeure it's like guys you played a basketball game against Oregon and Omaha Nebraska okay so let's let's not act like you, the, the pandemic prevented you from playing at the Prudential Center so that you know that's serious and in Rutgers case you know frankly if Rutgers doesn't play Seton Hall then they can go schedule I, I don't know Siena you know they can you know Someone else, you know, Caldwell College, yeah, that, come on down. That's our instinct. That's room. great in theory, but what are the, I mean, of the, of, of the Steve Pike era, the, the, like the five biggest moments, two of them are seen Hall wins. Exactly, so, which is why I have a solution. <laughs> forget the lawyers, forget calling Governor Murphy. This is the solution. It's very simple. Play the damn game twice this season. Oh, man, they'll never go for that, though. No, Holy they won't. Cow. Of course they won't. But, like, it would be – all right. So the first game could be at the Prudential Center, sell it out, take the gate, and as a show of good faith from Rutgers, that, the winner of that game gets the trophy. Then a week or two later, you go to the rack, you sell that place out again. You play – the only thing bigger than a Seton Hall-Rutgers game would be the second one. Yeah. That'd be great. No, no, it'll happen there. They'll play the first game at the Prudential Center, and then Kevin Willard will say, "Yeah, we're looking for an open date for the for the next game on the schedule." Yeah. And they, well, they'll never play. Actually, it again. You, you, even better yet, like when when you do like the the Christmas break and, and the, the the New Year's, like you play one game a week. Do it then. I, I would prefer it be earlier in the season, but just play the game twice. Right. You yeah. did it for years in the Big East, and it was the greatest thing ever. I mean, Jerry has got a laundry list worth of mayhem yeah. that he yeah. runs every year. Right. The problem Do is Willard doesn't want to play. Willard doesn't want to play it once. That's the problem. It's just like like yeah. It's it's if this game is not played, it is a disgrace on both schools. Absolutely. They should be ashamed of themselves. And the people and and Governor Murphy, there should the Richard Cody, the people who've got some pull in the state should get involved. Sorry, you you know what happened. Yes. I mean, I, I mean, correct. <laughs> we, we joke about this, but when it wasn't going to be played the first time around, you know, I reached out to the governor's office and they, they said, yeah, you know, maybe we'll have to get involved. And this was during you know the height of COVID. Well, obviously they didn't get involved, but now they'll be they will be involved. And this thing gets to October and they're not playing. I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, interesting thing that Jerry wrote was, you know, the, the negotiations are at the AD level, and who's the AD for Rutgers is Pat Hobbs, who, who, you know, clearly, if there's one thing that we do know, he wants the game be, to be course, played. He yeah. has good relationships with, with the Seton Hall people by all accounts, and and you know, I again, I I, I, I somehow doubt that either coach, you know, I, I really kind of think that uh, both coaches would prefer not to play the game. I mean, you know, I just. You know, I don't think that, you know. It, do you believe I don't that, though, with Pico? You really don't think he wants to do anything? He doesn't I mean, want to play that game? Look, I mean, yeah. <sighs> we go back to the Princeton thing. Why, why are they not playing Princeton? Because they're a pain in the ass. Well, there's no, value, but there's no value in, in beating Princeton. At least there's value in beating Seton Hall. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good win still. Still, yeah, still, still a good win, but yeah, just it's still a pain in the ass that they lose to them and you know, right. impacts them re- recruiting. And again, the one thing that Steve Pike he he gets more than enough strength of schedule from the Big Ten, you know, from the 20 games in the Big Ten. That's that, that's his belief. So the non conference is basically preparing for for uh Big Ten play. So if you take away uh, that game, you know, and, and, you know, you know, Steve Peichel would, would, you know, the, the biggest, the, the question, if you ever want to get uh, under uh, Steve Peichel's skin in like, you know, uh, you know, November, December is to ask him about the, the, the non-conference schedule because he hates <laughs> it. Uh, but yeah, that, that being said, you know, you know, as any, everyone knows, like, you know, he, he's all too happy to schedule, you know, as, as many of, of the uh, the low mid-majors as, as possible just to kind of pad it. And he believes that, you know, you know, the non-conference is basically just a prep for the 20 games in Big Ten play. Which is fine. But I, I just come back to one, like, after everything the state has gone through, and I know basketball is not the most important. It, it just seems so piddly to me that the two biggest, you know, these two strong college basketball programs can't figure this out. And the other thing, too, is from a financial standpoint, Rutgers is certainly hurting it. So is Seton Hall, I'm sure. What's going to make you more money and be, make more sense to kind of get money flowing again? Playing your in-state rival or, you know, it, you know like John Rothstein, you know, Rutgers is going to play Merrimack. That's going to put fannies in the seats. You know, that's like, come on. It just seems to be so ridiculous that it's college sports that if we can't get Rutgers Seton Hall played, then like, what are we doing? Absolutely. And we're all salty on that one. I'll leave it there. Any final thoughts, fellas? Final thoughts before we log off? Cratch? I mean, is this the last one that we do until like uh, training camp or, or uh, training camp, you know, yeah. you know uh, are pop there, in but... the middle of the summer just for the hell of it? I don't know. Well, I mean, I, you know, are you, or, will you be working in the summer or? <laughs> Why do you look at me and say that? I got the Olympics in the summer. I got a lot going on here. I'm going to take some vacation. I'm going to take a lot here. We should do a live podcast prior to kickoff uh, Thursday, September 2nd, in the wow. parking lot. Uh, you, said, you just said that you just hinted that the kickoff was going to be about breakfast time, though. We're going to be able to do that. What time we have to get up to do that? <laughs> the breakfast with the rant. <laughs> won't be sitting there. Can you imagine the people? And they, they used to do the radio. They still do the radio show out there. They used to they do, do the radio yeah. show out there. They, they do, do, yeah. The three of us sitting there. Holy crap. Food. No, uh, the, my, you know what my biggest takeaway is? I left, Red, I left SHI Stadium uh, after the spring game. I, I thought it was very uh, telling that. You know, obviously there's mass, not a lot of mass people were out and about. I think there's a confidence that we're, we're going to be back at hundred percent capacity and, and thank goodness that like, we're going to have a normal college football season. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Can't wait. We'll be there for every minute of it. For now we'll sign off James Cratch for James Cratch and Keith Sargent, Steve Politi signing off. Thanks for listening. 
Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.